what it means to be God is to gather those people who've been left on the margins and bring them closer to the center. This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us each week as two Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. This episode, we have Brandon Nappy, Executive Director of Leadership Programs at Berkeley Divinity School at Yale, and he's joining Ned Parker, Associate Dean for Institutional Advancement at Andover Newton Seminary at Yale. Both of them also hold the title Lecturer in Homiletics. They're discussing Psalm 147, verses 1 through 11, and verse 20c, which is appointed for the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany in year B. The text is read for you by liturgical minister of Marquand Chapel, Michael Liebenau Mechelintel. Psalm 147, verses 1 through 11, and verse 20c. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God, for he is gracious, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the downtrodden. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds, prepares rain for the earth, makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the animals their food and to the young ravens when they cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the speed of a runner. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord. So, Ned, what I noticed is that God is incredibly busy. God is lifting, providing, creating, uh, feeding, building, and even taking pleasure. Um, I hadn't remembered that. It's, it's a lovely little detail. I'm often struck by the things that actually make their way into Scripture. And this idea that um, that God is delighting in taking pleasure um, – probably here hearkening back to Genesis creation story, it was really, really refreshing. And in response to all this busyness, this wondrous busyness on God's part, we're asked to sing, to praise, and even to rock out on the lyre. I'm a guitarist, so I love this image of of the the response to uh, to play air guitar or real guitar or lyre. Um is a way of being faithful to uh, to what God has done. So um, I'm just feeling a kind of j- a sense of joyous celebration in this psalm. Yeah, I, I love the psalm too. I I love the the psalms in general. I feel like uh, the psalms are 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 the scripture that comes as close to being about the human condition as any other scripture. You know, I think about. Walter Brueggemann, who who talks about the Psalms being in three different places. You have orientation, then you have disorientation, then you have reorientation, um, except for Psalm 
88, which he calls, what does he call it? An embarrassment to the rest of the, the Psalms because there's only disorientation. Uh, and, that, and the only hope in that is the fact that the psalmist is still speaking to God. So the Psalms are, are so rich. And this one stands out as a, as a place of, of, as you said, essentially great orientation. And when we're, ori- when we're oriented, uh, when we know where we're headed, where we know who we are, we can do things like rock out on the, on the lyre. I was a drummer myself. Nobody ever forgives the percussionists, especially their parents. Um, but, but pe- you know, we can do that because we have orientation. So, so from that orientation, we're comfortable enough, we're secure enough to find joy, to find hope. Um, so I'm totally on board with everything you said. And what stands out to me is in verse three um, and also in verse six, first he heals the broken heart. It binds up their wounds. Um, the Lord lifts up downtrodden. He casts the wicked to the ground. And I think healing is very tricky in sacred scripture and I think that this is one of the only places where healing is, is done right. <laughs> um, because when we come to those passages where, where Jesus is uh, performing healing rituals, I always wonder, what, what do our disabled siblings think about this? What is, what is um, the theology of disability in this place? Because I'm actually not convinced that it's physical healing. I think it is the healing described in this Psalm right here. He heals the brokenhearted, binds up their wounds, lifts up the downtrodden. I think Jesus healing in the Bible is more about restoring right relationship in the community um, and saying this person, whatever is, is, has happened to their body, they still belong here. Their whole self belongs here. And so for, for me, this is a, this is a really important passage because I think it, I think it gets healing right. Oh, wow. Thank you for that. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're calling to my mind, this image almost of a double helix that, that joy and really pain continually coexist. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm always appreciative of the psalmist's raw honesty. Yeah. As you say, you're going to get the whole human experience. You're going to rejoice. Um, but the reason that you can rejoice is because you've also known pain. Yeah. And um, I really appreciate the way this psalm names um, that the community is by definition inclusive of those who've been outcast, right? Those who've been judged. Um, as not worthy of the community are actually constitutively part of the community. That what it means to be God is to gather those people who've been left behind, who've been left on the margins, and bring them closer to the center. Yeah. Um, obviously, our church has not always been that community. Obviously, American culture has not always been that kind of um, community. And yet, here it is, right in the Psalms, calling us to this ancient to this ancient promise. And um, I'm challenged by it. And it actually gives me hope as well. Yeah, no, it gives me hope too. I mean, God's understanding is beyond measure. It's a reminder that our understanding is not. 
this is this is all a reminder. So many so many parts of this are reminders that um, you know what's the what's the saying? All good things come from God. You know, uh, the psalm lifts those things up and um, and it gives us orientation and it and it gives us hope that no matter where we are in life, we can have a relationship with God. And if we can have a relationship with God, there is a community of God on this earth that we can have a relationship with too. Um, Jesus says, some, some will say to you that the kingdom of heaven is over there. Kingdom of heaven is over there. But I say to you, the kingdom is within you. Jesus saying that feels like an echo of this Psalm. And a reminder that it's the, that's it is our job as people of faith to make this come to life, because I think we're too good at making um, a living hell for people who are on earth. Um, we need to be more worried about creating the kingdom of heaven. I'm just digesting that. You know, I'm also really curious about the way. The psalm in in verse five names the greatness of God and the abundance of power in God. You know, I, I, I sometimes feel like a control freak and I want everything to go my way. I begin my day with a kind of choreography of the day, of the week. I could tell you what I'm doing at 2.30, six weeks from now on a Friday afternoon. And yet I'm continually reminded over and over that that control doesn't bring the kind of peace, the kind of equanimity um, that I seek. Yeah, it, it's it's really entrusting in in the power of God, um, which um, has not traditionally been a big part of my spiritual practice. And and I'm just sort of reminded that the psalm. It invites us to step into a very different world than 21st century America, where power comes from success or riches or looking smart, you know, uh, like we want to do all the time here at Yale. It comes in a kind of surrender of power. And my ego doesn't naturally want to do that. And and so the dots that I'm connecting here in the psalm are, 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 are these, that when I can surrender my my power and control, which is so much a part of 12-step movements, right? Yeah. That the pathway is joy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. No, I, um, I, for, for me, it's the, it's, uh, the, the surrendering of power actually comes out of a very strange verse, I know, but the surrendering of power comes out of, um, God covers the heavens with clouds because that's a reminder that in some kind of way, even science shows us that God is still creating, that the universe is moving out. It's moving out into abyss, an abyss where there is nothing and there is still a singularity that where creation is still happening. And my surrender comes recognizing that there is so much more happening out there that I could possibly understand or imagine. And that gives me, that gives me hope. I mean, Paul, Paul in a, uh, another passage, Paul writes, um, remember that there is a power already at work within you that is greater than you can possibly understand or imagine. And that power is also the power that is still creating and moving the entire universe out deeper into a new creation. 
we have the we we are always becoming new creations ourselves. Thanks for listening. You can visit our website for more Bible study resources, YaleBibleStudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. It's produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aiden Stoddart, and I'm your host and executive producer Helena Martin. And our theme music is by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from Chapter, Verse, and Season. Season.